0: And now our hero. Welcome to Laps Gamer Radio. This is your weekly news and chatter episode for the week commencing 15th of February. Uh, As with last week's episode, we'll briefly chat about what we've been playing over the past week and then take a look at the news, which will probably already be old news by the time you hear this episode. Tonight, I've got with me Lee and Kevin. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. So, Lee, what have you been playing? so still
1: playing Captain Toad Treasure Tracker at the minute Uh, I said I think as I spoke last time this is the game that's based on the adventures of Captain Toad stages from Super Mario 3D World Um, so I Mm -hmm. had just finished I think I think I just started episode two the last time we spoke, so this is where um, in the first episode you play as Toad and you have to rescue Toadette and you have to fight um, sort of two bosses, one of which is called uh, Dragodon and the other one's like this kind of huge blue eagle character. And um, yeah, so getting to the end of the episode, like I said before, I was kind of surprised that the end credits roll, but now I'm into episode two and obviously that's just kind of like how the game's been structured and um, it's kind of odd in a way because although it's repetitious in the sense that although now I'm playing as Toadette to rescue Toad and of course the the gameplay mechanics are largely similar and um, I would say the levels are getting more complex but the uh, the boss battles are are kind of like a revisitation of who you've previously fought so I, I had to fight uh, Dragadon again they've made it slightly different this time around so it's still kind of like entertaining but you don't then have another repeat uh, confrontation with the, the blue eagle within that episode now I'll suspect when I go into into episode 3 where you switch back to Captain Toad to rescue Toadette that that probably will crop up again but it's just, it's just interesting I just wonder whether it, was this originally going to be a download title where they were just going to put out episodes for you to buy and um, and the rest is DLC or was it only ever going to be a very short game and be like a budget release and then they decided to expand it with episodes so I mean it doesn't it hasn't affected my enjoyment in any way and I I really do actually think this is one of the most enjoyable games I've played on Wii U because it it simply captures that that wonderful magic that Nintendo know how to do where the game is uh, incredibly simple to grasp and then it's got incremental challenge if that's what you want to do so not only do the levels get slightly harder but also if you were going to try and 100% the game so to speak and get all of the hidden mushrooms on the levels and all of the, you know, the, the three hidden crystals and collect all the coins. You know, it, it then becomes a, a much more substantial challenge. So I love the way that you can kind of like choose how you want to progress through the game. Nothing so far has been like locked out where I've had to do a lot of backtracking. I think you do have to have a certain number of crystals to unlock uh, certain, you know, mission levels, but that hasn't been a, an issue so far. What I mean is like it feels like it's stopping just as it's getting going, and then you're kind of like starting again. And I like the cutscenes; they're beautiful to look at. But it, yeah, it just feels like a, a sort of intrusive way of Structure in the game. I mean, I don't know, I haven't really researched into the developmental backgrounds of the game, I, so I don't know, maybe a listener will know more than I do, but yeah, it's just odd that they've decided to do that uh, and put in these kind of like artificial barriers uh, to kind of like segment it, I guess.
0: Do you wonder, uh, maybe it was originally devised as possibly DLC for uh, Super Mario 3D World? Oh,
1: that's a good idea. Yeah, I can mm. see how it would. I mean, I, I don't want to do it a disservice. I mean, I think anyone who's played through those missions, those Adventures of Captain Toad missions in 3D World and has played Captain Toad Treasure Track, they really have you know expanded upon it. They've really developed the uh, the, increase, the intricacies of the gameplay. There's a lot of depth to it. Um, and it is, obviously, looks just amazing. I, I just think in terms of like maybe the length duration because episode one was only about two hours long I think to play through. This one has taken me slightly longer than that and then as I say I'm about to start a third episode and um, uh, Jack Smith was telling me on Twitter that there is actually another you know, thing that you unlock after that, like a, a set of bonus missions. So I think overall when you factor in how long it might take to to do like a hundred percent playthrough, it's certainly gonna have, you know, the the length that would justify a retail release. But I, I just don't know whether it's the project started at a certain stage in development, like you're saying, as, as not being a full retail release. Um but then obviously in development if they have changed it, why why still put in those those episodes. I mean, it's not even the fact that it's split into episodes that I guess I'm, I'm finding a puzzlement. It's just that the way they've been separated. So like I said, you have two boss confrontations about um, so it's like a little beautiful sort of children's storybook, and you, you're going through pages in the book. You know, you have to click A, and you then go into the the screen. You know, very, very much like a Mario sixty four. Yeah. You know, you jumped into pictures to go into the levels in that, where you hmm. kind of like push A, and you know, it brings the page to life, and you go into that world. And then, sort of halfway through, um, you you have a boss confrontation, and then towards the end, you had another one on episode one. And and because like you only have the one boss battle halfway through the second episode. It just seems odd It's almost like You know when um, Peter Jackson was Obviously adapting Tolkien's work He had to put in These uh, artificial Film breaks You know (laughs) and Obviously you had Three books in terms Of Lord of the Rings But he didn't adapt The books equally If that makes sense Like for example He split Events in two towers across two films, um, so it's kind of like yeah, a little bit odd like that. Whereas like they haven't really clearly done that here. Um, I mean, maybe it will become more apparent uh, in terms of the game design. I'll get a broader appreciation once I've actually finished the game. Um, but that is like, a really kind of like minor aspect of Bill went Just on myself, you know, personally speaking, that it's not a flaw in the game. And uh, yeah, no, I, I've really, really enjoyed it. Like I say, I think I love it that you can. It's one of those games that you can completely play at your own pace, whilst there's, uh, moments of difficulty in the sense of you've got to avoid certain obstacles or you've got to think about solutions of how you're going to discover your pathway through the level it's actually incredibly kind of like relaxing you know because it is one of those ones where you can just stop and reflect and and I, I thought I found the controls work really well I think you were talking last week Mark about how you're not particularly keen of using the gamepad for kind of motion uh, controls when it came to things like aiming in Splatoon um, and yeah. the fact that they do incorporate a bit of that in, well they, they allow it as a control scheme in Captain Toad to move mm. around the environment um, but the, you know just using the combination of that and mainly the right stick to kind of spin the world around on a pivot Um, it it just works really well and it's like anything that you know you only need to play through a few levels and then it becomes really intuitive um, and you know just a simple joy to play through so yep making progress through that definitely will play it through to the end um, and then you know a bit like Kirby I suspect it'll be something I continually pick up every now and again to kind of like edge towards 100% completion you know because that's where you get the value for these games you know, they're not cheap Nintendo first-party titles, although I think both Kirby and Captain Toad were, were under. You know, like the, the usual. Uh, they weren't as much as like 3D World, for example. But again, you get great value through the replayability of it. So yeah, very much another kind of recommendation. And I'm already, if we're going to jump ahead, it's kind of like the end of the year. i definitely suspect that, that Captain Toad might feature on my kind of like games played in 2016 list. And uh, another game uh, on the Wii i I've been dipping back into, like an ongoing thing really, is Mario Kart 8. So obviously we had the game night that we spoke about last week, and I've just really been continuing to play through uh, the Grand Prix modes in multiplayer with my wife and son. So we've been doing it on his user profile because... Um, you know, as you go through it and progress and get different styles on the different uh, cups and including the DLC, you get to unlock all the characters and all the kind of the vehicle customization options. And, he, and he, he loves it when like, you know, something new has been unlocked and he immediately sort of says, if, you know, if we get to the end of this one and something's unlocked, I'm going to play it again. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> using that bit of
2: vehicle customization." Me, can you play on my profile as well, please? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but um, that's also a really great way to get coins. You know, like we were talking that... Um, my son really wants to get like the, all the unlock all the gold aspects of the of the character and the car and that's like really hard to do because I think you have to get like a star on every single Grand Prix including Mirror Mode and then beat all of the staff ghosts you know something that's probably going to be without you know beyond uh, my skill in the game um, so although that's you know I've told him that's like a life project <laughs> that he might have to carry <laughs> on uh, when I give up playing games um, but it's, it's great to kind of get the coins ratio up so I think there is um, a really high number of coins You have to collect But you then get given You know Part of this Like golden Perfect package Again I think it's like A golden driver A golden car And golden wheels And golden You know Flying thing You know like When the car flies You oh. get different Like uh, parachutes Or whatever So I think if you get The coin one That you can unlock One aspect of that mm. So yeah Doing the The multiplayer um, grand prix you should collect like tons of coins particularly when my wife is just quite happy just to stay at the back in 12th and drive into every single individual coin, <laughs> coin. <laughs> but yeah so that's been some fun kind of like family uh, game time
0: yeah that's um that's how me and my girlfriend managed to unlock pretty much everything apart from the gold um cart bits on america it is just playing two-player Grand Prix and just going through because when you the more people you've got, the more coins you pick up. And it's surprising how quick you'll actually unlock everything if you play that way.
1: I'll play through the entire life cycle of the Wii U. And even if people are saying, you know, the NX is coming out and is on the horizon, um, you know, that I will be playing Mario Kart 8 up until... The next iteration in that franchise because mm. i've pretty much played through most of them it's just again which again which i'll probably raise in relation to another game i've been playing it's the gamecube ones they're the ones that i've missed out on uh in like all of these kind of core cool nintendo franchises but um, mm. other than that yeah you know like mario kart wii for example i think probably was my most played game on that system um mm. just because of like you know the online multiplayer and again playing local multiplayer sort of couch you know in the yeah. home so I'll, I'll probably be doing that you know for many months to come so uh, you know and it'd be great to get you know some of the community on and do some uh, game nights and that
0: well i've been playing uh slightly different mario kart um Yesterday, uh, me and my girlfriend decided to take a trip to Great Yarmouth to uh, walk along the beach in the bitter cold and have some proper (laughs) fish and chips. But um, most importantly, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But uh, most importantly, to uh, hit the arcades. Um, So I played through a bit of um, Sega Championship uh, Rally uh, and a, a few other classics. But we spotted in the corner of one of the arcades um, Mario Kart Arcade GPDX, which is a Mario Kart arcade machine I'd never seen before. Um, we ended up spending far too much money playing that. Um, <laughs> and that's a great arcade machine. If, you ever, if you're ever in an arcade and you spot one, I definitely recommend giving it a go. It's a yeah. little different from um, regular Mario games because you don't pick your, you pick your racer, and then a camera above the screen takes a picture of your face, and then if and then put, puts it in the, the character's face. For instance, like I was playing as Wario, so I had Wario's hat and his nose and moustache. So
1: it looked identical then, yeah. It, it, it <laughs> yeah, like pretty much. In the <laughs>
0: Almost, yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, it wasn't Wario. It was uh, it was Waluigi. Yeah. so I had that wonky moustache and uh, and a funny nose. Um, and then you get like a roulette. You hit the button on the on the con- on the the um, arcade machine. And the roulette wheel stops, and it'll pick a car, a set of wheels, uh, and two different weapons. And when you pick up a, um, a weapon drop, you'll either have a weapon that you can fire forward or a weapon that you can fire backwards, because you've only got the one weapon hit. But apart from that, it's just like Mario Kart. Um, when you want to go around a corner, uh, tap the brake pedal when you're turning, and you start drifting when you, when you straighten up, you'll get your boost. Um, it's really, really good. Uh, the announcer of the race is far too loud and far too annoying um <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't ever stop talking especially if if uh the, the people playing keep overtaking each other but um it was ridiculously good fun and i, I spent about 20 quid in that machine
1: <laughs> yeah I, i've definitely played mario Kart arcade i'm not entirely sure mm. if it's this iteration because um as most uh Dads will probably know uh, if they've got young children. When you venture into one of those like indoor like play centres, um, they often have like, the odd arcade machine, and there there is one that we do go to occasionally, and they did have a Mario Kart arcade game in there for a while. So that was that was great fun playing that with uh, with Harrison
2: the roulette selection of cars is just exactly how i play it anyway so it would be no different
0: (laughs) yeah it makes it a little bit interesting you can't pick um your favorite vehicle and wheels and everything like that so you kind of got a bit of a gamble as to whether you'll get something you're comfortable with or whether you'll get a big lumbering heavy cart that you don't know how to get around corners but um it is very good fun very good fun
1: I've gone to the uh, 3DS and managed to step away from Nintendo badge arcade long enough to actually play <laughs> a game that I got for Christmas and that I'd really been long wanting to start so I've started Luigi's Mansion 2 Dark Moon and like I was saying earlier the GameCube is just like a massive blind spot although I did um, get to hold those tiny little mini CD discs around a friend's house and play uh, whatever game like whatever version of ISS came out on the GameCube um, and a couple of other games I've never, you know gone into that library so I've never played Super Mario Sunshine or anything like that well, So I hadn't played the original (laughs) Luigi's Mansion, um, but only ever heard like how fantastic it was. It's superb. Yeah. Yeah, So that's why I I really, really want um, GameCube games to come to the virtual console on the NX. um, You know, because you know I was looking into ways of somehow connecting the Wii up to. um, because the original Wii that I've got is kind of like not in use anymore because obviously the backwards compatibility of the Wii U. Um, so I was thinking of ways of connecting that to a computer monitor, but I don't know, I kept hearing that the playback wasn't very good, and... Um, you know, in terms of like getting another console and things like that, I just, I just, sadly, at the minute, I just don't think I've kind of got like the the real estate <laughs> to be able to like expand into like that retro collection. Um, so yeah, really hoping that does come out. But you know, in the meantime, playing this this expanded sequel um, has been you know great fun. It's actually because um, you know we're I know Kev will mention it in a moment that we're playing through Grim Fandango as our kind of like playlist game. Mm-hmm. And I have started that as well. Um, what, what struck me about Luigi's Mansion that I, I guess I wasn't expecting is that he, he's quite like um, a point and click adventure game in some respects. I mean, it is a, a, a character adventure game, but you know, just some of the kind of like objectives and things that you have to do just really reminded me of that. So, for example, I've only played through the, um, the first mansion in the game, and I think there was only one mansion, wasn't there, in the actual original yeah, game? yeah so that there's I think there's five or so in this one um but just playing through the first one you kind of get the uh your you play like missions at a time and one thing that I did find quite frustrating is that you don't seem to be able to save like mid-mission so you you have to play that mission from beginning to end in you know your whatever time you've got allotted to play games at that particular session otherwise you'll have to restart it so I did have to replay a fair few missions but I think they're only about probably 20 to 30 minutes in length um and you get like a different objective that you've got to achieve each time and you know it all revolves around kind of exploring this haunted mansion and going into the different rooms and you know you have to retrieve that um is it the poltergust 5000 know, you have to <laughs> retrieve your weapon in one of them that you use to suck up the ghosts and there's others where you have to kind of like click different kind of parts of a, of a gear mechanism and it opens up other aspects of the mansions and i love all that on them you get like the map on the the bottom screen and then the brilliant graphics uh 3d graphics on the the top screen and um the way the mansions kind of work almost it's like very um, multi-level so you think you've gone through like the entirety of the mansion, but of course there's different levels and floors, and then there's different kind of entrances that allow you to get to different kind of crevices, uh, and just really kind of clever again the way like trademark Nintendo the way they kind of layer on introducing different gameplay mechanics. So on one of the missions you might have to shine a particular torch that reveals hidden doors and um, you know hidden enemies, or you might have to go through and clear all of the cobwebs out, and that kind of like leads into what the final boss confrontation for that. First mansion is going to be, and I don't think it is a spoiler. Obviously, it's an older game, but also this is the first mansion, um, and I think I've seen it actually a lot of times where the game's advertised. You, you you confront this like huge spider, and it's just really kind of clever. Actually, the way that you have to kind of defeat. um Obviously, you catch the ghost very much in the style of Ghostbusters, but in terms of like the bosses, it's about approaching it kind of like methodically, and you have to you have to do different aspects. You know dodging their attack but it's not like it's not a complete action game in the sense of you're just attacking an enemy it's more about kind of like using the environment around you um so yeah i've been finding that really enjoyable i love the design like i love the the actual um you know the art style of the game and the way that they they get kind of like luigi to hum along with the music if you leave him stationary (laughs) for too long and you know like i think mario used to sleep didn't he in mario 64 you know games like that if you leave him inactive so yeah all of those little flourishes just make you feel like you're playing you know a really kind of like quality product and the the cartoony animation you know is almost like something like pixar and i I, I really i'd I'd love nintendo to do kind of like more of that because i really enjoyed those kind of like pikmin shorts that they released they've you know they've obviously got um a lot of skill in that area and you know the different ghosts have got different personalities and you know there's a lot of humour in the game Um, I just wish I think that it was more drop in and drop out I wish it could kind of like save instantaneously but that's more just in recognition of the fact that I don't always you know have a certain amount of time you know I've only got like a pressured certain amount of time to play Mm -hmm. the game so um, that probably will be one that it might be easier for me to just like allocate uh, a bit of time to do like a mission every couple of days or something so yeah I'll probably end up concentrate because I'm breaking I've realized I'm breaking a game in resolution already only in February um, because we're meant to be be playing one game and like sticking to actually finishing that so yeah I might I might put uh, Luigi's Mansion on the back burner and try and get through Captain Toad Uh, but of course you know we've got Grim Fandango on Horizon and I think Kev you're going to talk about hey
2: um, well so far I've got as far as the first mission you know the Dino mission it's just mind-blowing um you look at it and go Wow, this is, what, I don't know how old it is now, it's about 20 years old? Wow, is it really that old? I don't know, I mean, good God, it's going back to early PC days, LucasArts. Uh, yeah, actually,
0: you're right. Uh, 1998. Jesus, so,
2: yeah, so this game can actually vote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great, it's frustrating, because you not exactly sure where you're supposed to be going. I know you're having the same problem, Lee. You know, we're, we're going backwards and forwards. I am,
1: yeah, a lot, a lot. I'm, just, I'm literally just going from one, like, dead end to another. <laughs> but um, yeah. I think what's what's the saving grace so far for me, although I'm only a little bit further on than yourself, is, um, of course, like, the art style, but the kind of wonderful dialogue, which I guess, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, Tim Shaven double Devil Fine are kind of, like, renowned for.
0: Yeah, I'm having similar problems with it as well. I mean, even though I, I, I played through it, So about 14, 15 years ago. I can't really remember much of it, so I'm having the same problems where I'm I'm bashing my head against puzzles and I've already had to look up a guide a couple of times um, because it does have that old point-and-click adventure problem of trying to use every item on every interactable thing in the environment to try and progress.
2: There's so little clues in there, you know, you've just got to try everything and Mm. hopefully something will work. I think that's probably why I'm making no progress at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, but having played um, about a third to about a half of uh, A Broken Age, which was uh, Double Fine's most recent point, yeah, and click Yeah, that, oh. that was on PS4. Yeah. Really yeah, I've
1: got that. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right.
0: yeah it's, it's the same sort of situation with that as well. Sometimes it's just trying everything on everything else to try and work out what you're supposed to be doing next. But it, it's, it's just something that's inherent in point-and-click uh, adventure yeah. games.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've, I'm yet to kind of like really farm my groove with it, but um, I, you know, there's certainly enough kind of aesthetically and humor-wise that will get me, you know, to keep on playing. And I am looking forward to you know making some more headway and talking about it with you guys, and, and hopefully, you know, members of the community as well.
0: So, if you're interested in joining us on that Grim Fandango episode, then uh, get playing along, and we'll hopefully be recording the episode. Possibly in the next couple of months.
1: And you can obviously send your tweets in or emails or comment on the Facebook page, whatever's your preferred method to communicate with us. Uh,
0: so, apart from hitting the arcades, I've uh, been dabbling with the new Rocket League maps. Uh, I've only been able to play two of them so far. Uh, I can't remember what they're called, but one of them is a regular pitch, but with an extra section around the side that's kind of raised up. So you go up a lip on the side and then there's another platform um, which kind of extends the pitch out to the sides quite a lot and adds a little bit more verticality to it. Um, the one that's really interesting is the circular pitch, which is kind of like they've taken a Rocket League pitch and then sort of bent it round into an almost like horseshoe shape, but it meets behind the goals. So the two goals are connected behind each other. And so you're driving around in a circle to get from one goal to the other, or you can take a shortcut by driving into your goal and coming out the other team's goal. There's like a hump in the middle, uh, which you can use to to, to to boost up and get some some uh, to get into the air quite a bit. So if you want to, if you time it just right, then you can get some crazy mid-air interceptions. I'm still having up and down moments with that game. Sometimes I'll jump in and uh, into a game and it'll end six or seven mil to the other team, uh, and sometimes they will jump in and our team will absolutely dominate. There haven't been that many tight matches, but but I've, I have got some recordings of a couple of tight matches, so I'll uh, get those uploaded to the uh, to the YouTube channel sometime soon jump back onto destiny again uh, over valentine's week so from last tuesday through to uh tomorrow uh, the 16th uh they've got this uh new mode running called crimson doubles um in which it's a special multiplayer mode where you jump in as two people against another two people uh, and if you get killed you don't respawn your teammate has to respawn you and if you both die then it's the end of the round and it's first to five to win a match and it was infuriating in a way that i couldn't think was possible in destiny i've played um quite a lot in the past of destiny's premier multiplayer like a uh, pvp mode called um, trials of osiris which is where the top tier multiplayer players go and that's 3v3 if you die you down unless your team gets you up uh, if if uh, one team wipes with the team that's in the round first to five go on and so forth and that is infuriatingly hard but kind of fun and there's some really good rewards for it crimson doubles was full of the sweatiest um hardcore top tier pvp players who were going in and just wrecking us i don't i was playing with my friend mike and we played a good few hours over a couple of nights and we didn't win a single game and we were just getting utterly destroyed it seems like every single match we were we were up against some of the best players in the game repeatedly um And that wouldn't be a problem if it wasn't for the fact that the rewards were awful. And the community as a whole rebelled. Um, There's been a bit of a malaise in the um, uh, Destiny community recently because Destiny 2 has been pushed back to 2017. There was no talk of any expansions coming up this year. All they talked about was having these little events like the Crimson Doubles. And they had the the Sparrow racing a while ago. And they had a special event on over Halloween and so forth. And we thought it was just going to be lots of this. And lots of people, myself included, were thinking, well... Apart from getting together with friends to play, the Raiders not really going to be any point to play in this game for the foreseeable future. Um, but within moments of Activision having their um, their big um, shareholders meeting, um, they announced that there is going to be a big expansion coming in spring this year they haven't released any details about it they haven't told us whether it will be paid for dlc or whether as they've said before they're going to use the microtransactions they've brought in for cosmetic items and dance moves and things like that like over the uh, they've introduced the the um the drake hotline bling dance uh, recently i'm not paying for it but it is quite funny um whether it's going to be... They said that they were going to fund DLC through these microtransactions. So, fingers crossed, there's going to be a decent expansion in the near future, and it's going to be free. Which will do a, a lot to appease the community. Uh, I noticed on the Destiny subreddit that attitudes went from fuck Destiny to oh, we love you guys in about half an hour after that announcement. So, um, we'll see how that goes. Um, but Apart from that, the only thing I've really been playing is, is pushing on uh, more with Bloodborne. I uploaded some footage to the YouTube channel um, earlier uh, last week. I've been helping out some uh, some players online, engaging in some jolly cooperation, as the the Dark Souls and Bloodborne community call it, um, with some of the more difficult bosses in that game. Because some of the bosses are brutally hard, um, and. Um, yeah, I'm doing really, really well with it. Miyazaki has, has smiled upon me, and I'm now two bosses away from being able to finish the game, although I'm going for a full completion run, and I'm going to, I'm going to beat all the optional bosses as well, and then play through the DLC, and then finish the game. And then when that's, once that's done, I'm going to um, put together a video with my, my thoughts of the, the, the whole game and the DLC, and put that up on the YouTube as well.
1: That's great, we I mean, look forward to uh, you know watching and listening mm. to that you know especially as someone who's you know not gonna have access to that game and it's it's very unlikely that I'd be able to get it yeah. to experience it first hand. So yeah, you've you've
0: suffered through the pain for us. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment.
2: Seems me like smashing another <laughs> controller up as well.
0: <laughs> no, I've gotten better with that now. I've, I've got, like <laughs> the frustration has has gone away because this is the thing is, is with these games is, in a lot of games when you when you die cheaply you think uh, a lot of the times it's a problem with the game itself. There's a problem with the mechanics, There's a problem with the AI, or something like that. Uh, with Demon's Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, Bloodborne, and I'm assuming it's going to be the same with Dark Souls 3, if you die, it is absolutely 100% of the time your fault that you died. Because you got too greedy, you went in for an attack when you should have backed away, um, or you should have been healing, or you weren't looking where you were going, and you dropped off the edge of the world whilst you were were rolling around an enemy, or or, um, various other ways that you can die in those games. If you die, it is absolutely your fault. And once you come to accept that. The game's not frustrating anymore. You can get frustrated at yourself but you don't ever get frustrated at the game because it is completely doable. The game is, is at the heart of it, not that hard as long as you, as long as you stay aware of what's going on. Oh, that's where I'm going wrong <laughs> no, I, still Just find it hard. I still find it hard I, I still die all the time I still take sometimes I'll, I'll come up against the boss and I'll beat them the first time sometimes it'll take me a couple of dozen attempts to beat a boss so um, it's still hard and it can still be frustrating but if you mess up it is absolutely your fault So on with the news, and our first piece comes direct from the Hitman Twitter. And this news, as it broke today, February fifteenth, uh, Hitman Go, the popular Hitman board game-esque um, mobile game, is coming to PS4, Vita, and Steam on the twenty-third of February. This is quite interesting because there hadn't been any news of it any any rumblings of it coming to any other platforms and all of a sudden today they're like yeah it's coming to these platforms and it's going to be out in a couple of weeks
1: <laughs> yeah i saw um, some of the screens i mm. having not played it I, I thought it looked actually quite interesting i mean i know um it's obviously done well hasn't it and yeah it's a, like a recognizable franchise and i think we get given like a collection of these on mm. ps plus yes. in the last sort of 12 months and i know it was like a um, sort of ps2 era wasn't it yeah it was, it was the, the big three then yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, again, it's like one I've I've kind of yet to sort of really spend any time with, but um, I thought this variation looks intriguing, you know, certainly to give it a go on the Vita. Yeah,
0: absolutely. The thing is is that um, my phone screen is too small, really, to be able to play that sort of game on, and my tablet's not quite powerful enough really but the vita i reckon will be perfect for it i've been playing a, a fair bit of that um lemmings game they released recently on uh, ps plus for the vita yeah it's yeah touch isn't it and the touchscreen works yeah. perfectly and, it, and it's, it's, it's more than powerful enough to run uh, hitman go and i'm assuming that it's going to be um cross safe with uh with the ps4 as well so um i'm looking forward to that i mean i i haven't heard too much about it but what i have heard has been nothing but good Hopefully sometime in the future we'll get Lara Croft because people have been uh, raving about that as well. Don't know a huge amount about it apart from that it looks kind of like a tabletop board game-esque version of hitman so um, i'm interested in that
2: you never know this tomb raider might just get dropped on us yeah. from above <laughs> like uh it's coming out it's coming out tomorrow
0: yeah i was trying to twist
1: um michael's arm uh, you know michael mackenzie a friend of ours who's been on in the past i was trying to twist his arm to come on uh, at some stage when he's got some free time to because i know he's been playing through the um the sequel to i mean was it a reboot? Yes. of Lara Croft, yeah, you know the the one that did very well. You're right, so the sequel to that that's mm-hmm. come to this PC month, yeah. relatively no, recently, month, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I know he's been playing through that, and, and I've been hearing very optimist, optimistic uh, you know noises from him. So hopefully, at some point, you know, when he's made some more progress with that, we, we can get him on to talk about it. Because uh, yeah, no, I imagine you know if they do bring you're saying like the Lara Croft Go game across, you know, it's again it's about sort of really revitalising that brand, isn't it? Because it's been on an upward curve since they kind of like did take some more of the sort of Uncharted style gameplay into their, you know, main franchise entry. I mean, I really liked those um, digital titles on PSN that were, again, a variation on the gameplay style. You could play through them in co-op. Yeah, I know the ones
0: you mean. I can't remember what they're called, though. There's two of them.
1: Something The Guardian... I think it was something like that yeah. anyway Guardian of the Light I might maybe I'm making it up but I mean I remember from what I played that was really enjoyable well, I need to go back like so many of the games <laughs> especially where they're digital they you yeah. kind of like you know just completely get a hide from view I need to go back because <laughs> there's some gems in there but I've really enjoyed that one I remember that being very good and I think they did release either DLC or a sequel to it
0: um, yeah there was a sequel that was um, released on PS Plus not too long ago I've not, it's been sat in my PS4 library me. Me for a while uh, Our next piece of actual new news is that uh, as of last night um, February 14th uh, a Dark Souls streamer has managed to complete the game without taking a single hit uh, of damage from any of the enemies in the game Um, Twitch streamer The underscore Happy underscore Hobbit set world's first by completing the crushingly hard original Dark Souls in about four and a half hours without taking a single hit from any enemy in the game including the bosses
1: (laughs) that's incredible in terms of like that that short I mean I know that people do speed runs on games but that's incredible that you're reducing a game that on average takes you know multiple hours you know to complete and they put it down mm-hmm. to like under half a dozen that's incredible <laughs> that's
2: insane as well he's not ta- taken any yeah. hits at all that's ridiculous has he hacked
0: it <laughs> no 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 I watched uh, I kind of skipped through the um, the stream earlier just to watch what was going on and he was m- most of the enemies in the game he was running past and just concentrating on yeah. the bosses themselves, but just expertly dodging every single attack. Like he knew <laughs> telepathically where they were going to attack and when. Uh, but it's, it's something like what I was saying earlier when we were talking about Bloodborne. Um, once you once you played the game a bit you start to learn the environments and you learn where the enemies are you know how they attack, how to avoid their attacks how to counter them, and the same with the bosses and it becomes very mechanical and then once you get into the rhythm of it it's not actually that difficult but to be able to get through the game in four and a half hours without taking a single hit just to p- put that in context when I played through the game, when I finally finished it it took me couple of hundred deaths and about fifty Ooh, hours. Wow! That's <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, this is even more impressive than uh, when last year uh, the Twitch community managed to collectively managed to, to beat the game. In I, I don't know how long it took. It took them weeks to do. Uh, but similar to the um, Twitch Plays Pokemon, they managed to complete the game as a community with everyone inputting the <laughs> commands onto the console. But to be able to beat the game in less than five hours without getting hit by any of the enemies is just insane, so uh, hats off to him, definitely. Next up, coming direct from Nintendo uh, Splatoon's next Splatfest will divide the community in this fiercest battle yet. So starting on the 20th of February, so this episode may not be out in time but we'll tweet about it as well. Um, Splatfest is returning uh, again to to Splatoon for 24 hours. This time they're asking the heaviest of questions. So in the past they've asked whether you preferred whether you liked pineapple on... (laughs) Yeah, it's like, do you like pineapple on pizza or do you not? And they've asked, like, do you prefer cats or dogs or so far? but this one is the heaviest of questions. Do you prefer Pokemon Red or Blue? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, friendships will be destroyed, brother will fight brother, and Pokemon Red will rise as champions because Charizard is best. <laughs> I've got my Smash Brothers Charizard amiibo sat at my desk at the moment. <laughs>
1: Yeah, talking of Pokemon, I did uh, notice after maybe a couple of weeks or more back now that they're bringing out a Pokemon Detective game, aren't they? Um, I think it's been released yes, in yeah. Japan already.
0: Um, Pikachu Detective.
1: Yeah, digi- a, a, a yeah. digital download title. That, um, it's, from what I understand, it's got some pretty nice production values and it's almost um, borrowing some like maybe Ace Attorney Maybe uh, Professor Layton style gameplay, so um, you know, it's the, obviously the year of celebration for Pokemon. So, I think if I was going to sample any of it, I'd be intrigued to see, you know, when that comes over, what the kind of price is and mm. what the gameplay is. Although I haven't got obviously any sort of brand association or identification with no. the Pokemon themselves, that game just is intriguing, it's like an odd move, you know, in a way. But that's obviously what <laughs> Nintendo does and mm. the Pokemon company.
0: Did you see the uh, uh, petition that was going on around the uh, P- Pikachu Detective game.
1: Not to cancel it, surely. Wasn't it something about who was going to be the voice actor or something?
0: Yes, there's a petition to have Danny DeVito be the voice of Pikachu. Yeah, I think
1: Benedict Cumberbatch other people had been mentioning or something as well. Like, people had thrown out who they would like. Um, But yeah, I think it was just people taking aback the... um, the, the human-like attributes that obviously personified the, the character with you know in that in that little clip
2: yeah. DeVito would make a perfect Pikachu it seems yeah. you know you don't need a lot of makeup on him either
1: no <laughs>
0: <laughs> and having watched uh, a fair amount of It's Always oh, in Philadelphia yeah, recently yeah. he'd probably just get naked and paint himself yellow he <laughs> probably does anyway <laughs> that, yeah yeah <laughs> So, up next, as reported by Kotaku, uh, the UK games industry was worth £4.2 billion pounds in uh, 2015. Ooh, wow. Yes. <laughs> so, Yuki um, and um, MCV have completed their annual valuation of the UK games industry and found that things are better than 2014 by around £200 million. Pounds. Uh, console sales are down slightly over last year but digital sales of games have increased rapidly making up 1.2 billion pounds in sales and presumably this is due to more aggressive and more frequent sales on digital stores of the three consoles as they try and push uh, more towards the steam model and try and edge physical game shops out the window uh, a little bit but i did see that um Used game sales were up quite a bit last year than they were uh, in 2014. I presume because in 2014 everyone was buying new consoles and getting new games, whereas last year people were buying used games a little bit more. And uh, the mobile market is continuing to increase uh, exponentially year on year. I mean, speaking
2: as a lapsed gamer myself, I very, very rarely actually buy anything new. And even more rarely Mm. buy something on a download uh basically because that's interesting
1: yeah i don't because I, i'm I'm almost the complete opposite although i don't buy a great number of games mm. um i'll tend to get them as gifts you know for birthdays christmas things like that i i don't think i ever buy secondhand really? and i would always and i'd always and i do buy digital games but like that's only if it's a digital specific title you yeah know, if, if i often because yeah. the prices aren't There isn't a drastic enough save digitally for me not to buy the physical disc, even though, like, I think for ease of use, I probably would have everything on digital to be honest. Because, like I just said, I don't really, although I've sold on a lot of games that I regret, (laughs) (laughs) I don't tend to buy used, and I think that's probably because when I the last time I kind of did, maybe around shortly into the Wii life cycle it was probably the last time I, I think I bought a Mario Party type second hand mm. and it just just skipped. You know, <laughs> and it was so frustrating that um, that just put me off so I just don't, I just don't bother. I mean, I know um, that like we've just said, you know, that, that it, this the second hand or the used game market is huge. So there's got to be some level of quality control, of course, and it's probably improved massively. Mm. But I think just the pure hassle of having, and I think it probably has happened again, you know, it probably happened before that with something else. So the hassle of then having Having to go and, you know, haggle over exchanging it just completely put me off. So I just <laughs> thought I'd rather pay the extra money and get it
2: new. Yeah, I've never bothered because half of the time I could never get around to it anyway. I mean, the last...
1: <laughs> yeah, that's from so the you're <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: I mean, I bought Just Cause 3 and um, I've blasted through with about i don't know 10 percent of it so far then that's it i've not really touched it again in nearly two months now and you know it, i think that's one of the finest games i've played last year <laughs> but again um i could it's I could just, have just too little time exactly, too many games exactly and i could yeah. have picked it up now for half the price and still got as far through it now you know and, and i just think oh that's just money wasted
0: I haven't picked up a used game myself in quite a while and I don't, I haven't traded in a game in quite a while either because I'm a bit of a hoarder and I like to, I like to collect games. I've got quite a, a library going yeah, back Yeah, if you wait um, till the children a arrive. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, I'll probably still keep them and just put them in boxes and yeah, yeah put them. Them, store yeah. them away somewhere. Um but I've also, I haven't bought a special edition of a game since destiny in September, 2014. Um, but uh, I'm a bit of a Witcher, for, uh, you, you got did you get
1: wasn't that like a, a special? no no, 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 just, okay. no that was just that just the,
0: is the packaging
2: it is just very special oh sorry yeah <laughs>
0: yeah the packaging just came with lots of nice stuff in it because CD Projekt read a nice yeah. like that um, but I've got some I have got some lovely I, I mean I bought like, I've, I was looking up at my collection now and I've got the um, I bought the special edition of Nino Cooney which came with a physical copy of the um, uh, of, of the, the the wizard's book and, and I mean, how yeah, uh, Nino Cooney, I, I finished that. That was um, that was a couple of years ago. That. I'm
1: impressed. That's yeah. a long one, is
0: it? That is a long one. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I say finish, I finished the main game. I didn't finish the post game stuff. But uh, yeah, I I, um, I have been taking advantage a lot more of the, the, the digital sales on um, on PS4 quite a lot uh, recently because they have been having deals a lot more. Regularly, and and the price slashing has been a lot more aggressive. Mm. I figure they are trying to slowly move towards a future that Xbox and to a lesser extent Sony uh, envisioned in the future where they wanted to move to a more digital format where they control the game sales and they could control Mm. the price and maybe bring it down a little bit. I mean, at the moment when games first came out, the first come out on the digital platform, they are still prohibitively expensive. Um, £55 um, for certain games, whereas you can get them for 40 quid uh physically but their sales i mean some of the deals have been incredible so um i've bought quite a lot of digital titles over the last year
1: yeah i'd still say i'm probably um 50 50 in the sense that you know i buy a lot of the you know first party nintendo games obviously at retail at full price and then you know i'll be buying sort of the more sort of indie games like digitally Mm. um Mm. and unless there is going to be like this drastic uh drop in digital pricing that, that then obviously the physical market will kind of like remain i think in, in years gone by it was very much the same as you mark i'd hoard everything and i'd always buy physical because i'd really like the collecting aspect of it but mm. just through multiple house moves because i've moved <laughs> a lot more than the average person and uh, you know obviously expanding family and things like that i've just i've had to bite the bullet and, and because i had periods of really long you know been you know that's why hence the title the Podcast Laps Gamer, like there was, you know, there's a lot of time where gaming had been pushed out of my life for, you know, prolonged periods. So, yeah, I did have to part with a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, I think it's great that there still is, um, you know, collectors out there and people that get value from that. And, and maybe that's where the future will go, where the market might move predominantly to a digital place where you might. Um, I don't know whether we'll get machines that don't have disc drives eventually and things like that and then that'll be all digital but I I get the feeling that possibly almost like a lot of other physical media you'll still see the enthusiast collectors market thrive in some way so you know Mm. hopefully we'll still be able to get the best of both worlds to suit you know different consumers really
0: As reported by uh, Polygon, Hideo Kojima has launched his uh, own YouTube series called HideoTube. Uh, Everyone's favorite Japanese game developer, well, probably second favorite Mm -hmm. Japanese game developer, um, (laughs) has launched his own series on YouTube called HideoTube on the newly created Kojima Productions YouTube channel. Um, It just appears to be a series where uh, Kojima and one of his mates sits down and just chats for, for an hour or so. Uh, so the first episode, is he's talking through his uh, top 10 films of 2015 out of the 90-odd films that he uh, claims to have watched last year.
1: So, uh, I mean, um, sometimes it's quite fascinating, actually, when you hear an artist from one medium sort of express an opinion on another. Like So obviously, in this case, Games... Someone working in gaming talking about uh, movies, but obviously it works both ways, like vice versa. When you hear sort of Del Toro when he's commented about gaming and things like that, but so with uh, um, Kojima, then what's he kind of picked out as some of his highlights? How, how far uh, did, did um, Yakuza Apocalypse get into his top 10?
0: <laughs> it's not in there at all. um <laughs> but There's another film that I'm surprised is in there at all because. It's no secret that Kojima is a big film fan. If you played through any of the Metal Gear games, the, especially Metal Gear yeah, 4, yeah, it Tour, felt at times like most of that was yeah. cutscene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he was heavily influenced by three major factors in the Metal Gear series. David Bowie, Snake Plissken, and James Bond. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, and so I was quite surprised to see that Spectre wasn't anywhere in his top ten. Star Wars The Force Awakens made it in there. Straight Out Compton was in there. <laughs> okay. His number six was uh, Sean the Sheep movie. And right, which so. I was very surprised <laughs> at. He did get a sort of James Bond esque film in there. His number three was uh, Kingsman. Awesome. Which I enjoyed a lot, yeah. Um, his number one, though, was uh, Mad Max Fury Road, and I, I can't really no, argue with me that. Me neither. <laughs> no. Oh.
1: <laughs> I thought for a second they were all going to be Japanese films. I didn't realise. Yeah, you're talking about just, just generally like all the films that you'd seen. Mm. Yeah. Oh, see, I, I'm trend. not
0: entirely sure how good his grasp of English is. I know he can speak some English, um, but he tends to do interviews in Japanese. But his number four film was um, Locke. The oh, um, God.
1: yeah the the uh, Tom Hardy film. Yeah, Tom Hardy film. Yeah.
0: It's just 90 minutes of Tom Hardy in in a car talking to himself and on the phone occasionally. Yeah,
2: whereas Mad Max is Tom Hardy in a car not
0: talking. (laughs) Yeah. And I know which one i prefer. Absolutely. Yeah, Uh, yeah, the video is all in Japanese, but if you don't mind subtitles, it's well worth the watch if you're a Kojima fan, and I'm a big Kojima fan, so I've already subscribed to that channel.
2: Red Dead Redemption is coming to Xbox One's backwards compatibility scheme. The only hitch? Microsoft don't want anyone to know. And yet some gamers managed to download it anyway. The 360 version of the 2010 Epic was playable on Xbox One over this last weekend. That was the 13th and 14th February. But it was removed late on Sunday night. The reason given was that it was actually an accident. It had been released as a test to see if it could work. And apparently it works very, very well. But unfortunately, nobody was supposed to be playing it anyway. And you had to jump through hoops in order to play it. This is raising a few questions. First of all, is it going to be planned as a bonus for a hypothetical follow-up, perhaps? Similarly to uh, Fallout 3, when that came out with Fallout 4. Who can tell? But it's good news because it means that they are actually doing something in the Red Dead Redemption camp either way.
1: Yeah, so, am I, so it's not something that if you were lucky enough to um, take advantage of this, you, that it's now on your system. No, you, it's not like you've no, downloaded it. it's gone. It. Right, so it is just completely. <laughs> uh, would it be? How does this? Because obviously I haven't got an exponent. How does this work? Is it via streaming then? This or it's uh, you download? No, these it's games weird.
2: Or what? You've got to have the hard copy, aren't you? And
1: oh, sorry, and, right. And so yeah. you've actually got to have the physical disc, and it just <laughs> yeah. How do people know then to? you know, to try it out. It obviously just leaked
0: on the internet. No, it was um, people who've got the, uh, uh, as far as I'm aware, it's people who've got the Xbox One um, preview program, where they can, uh, the, I've only got a very limited understanding of this because I don't have an Xbox One, but people who are on the preview program can they kind of like beta test new changes to the uh, UI and things like that, and it seems to have been a, a loophole in, in the preview program that people on there were able to play Red Dead Redemption on their Xbox One, and through some scheme managed to get other people to be able to get onto Mm. it as well.
1: right? But it
0: very quickly got taken down. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm hoping that it's going to be... This is a foreshadowing of of another Red Dead Redemption because um, the original and the... um, Undead Nightmare expansion where uh, it was some of my favourite some of my favourite content on The Last Generation Full yeah. Stop and, yeah. and that game was a masterpiece well, uh,
2: that's it I mean it so often comes up in top tens doesn't it even now you know and it's six years old now all we can hope for now is that 2016 is the year that
0: we see another Red Dead or as we've said before uh, another uh, Rockstar Table Tennis game
2: oh yeah. definitely still flying the flag <laughs> for that one
0: <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> As again, if you'd like to uh, contact us, then there are various forms you can get in contact with us via. Uh, you can email us at lapsedgamerradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet at us at lapsgamer and there's the uh, Lapsed Gamer Radio Facebook page. We should have, hopefully, some content going up to the LapsGamer Gamer YouTube channel at some point over the next few weeks as well, so uh, be sure to look out for that and leave us your comments.
1: Yep. So if you've got any kind of questions or anything really that you'd like us to read out or discuss on the show, then do get in touch.
0: So that concludes our lapsed look at the news. Again, if you'd like to contact us with any comments on uh, the Grim Fandango or you'd like to get involved in that episode when we record it at some point in the next few months, then you can contact us uh, through the usual methods. And I guess all that remains is to say goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. And I'm off to play some more Bloodborne. <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm off to rescue Toadette
1: again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm not playing any games again.
0: Last
1: Game